couldn't the people in the third world get better education or provide better education? I've been making notes for this off and on. Because when you stand back and you try to talk about the whole world, you end up with interesting generalities. And I think those generalities are just as good, just as useful for this country as for so-called third world countries. I mean, and now America's becoming a third world country in its schools because you're not, they're not following all these rules or pointers I'm going to suggest. So this is just a rumination on how do we make people around the world have better schools. And I understand the weirdness here because many countries have better schools already. So, but the, the, the question originates with people thinking about how to do poor countries. And I've always had a fascination with this question because I've seen people in the jungle under a parachute uh, being used as a cover or a tent, or they're, they're in a garage somewhere. And if you have a smart person who is sincere about educating children, then you'll get a good education in the jungle under a parachute or maybe a tin roof. This is something we have uh, gotten away from of actually having content in the school. All right, now here are some things that have been occurring to me. First of all, as I was just saying, that you need to have the will and the desire that people have more education. The king, the queen, the princes, the chiefs, the bureaucrats, whatever it is, the people who own everything, if they're serious, if they're serious, then you can have good schools. But if they don't think people should have an education, then just forget the whole thing. I think that's partly what is besetting America. There are people up at the very top who think that uh, keep them keep them dumb, and our time will come. I mean, I. I I find it very sad that some of the biggest uh, institutions, biggest uh, media platforms, biggest success stories like Facebook or Twitter, they immediately get in the censorship business. So they don't want to share what they know. But anyway, that's the first thing. The people at the top are the key to everything. Second, you need re reasonably good teachers. Smart people with some college, let's put it that way. Nothing fancy. They certainly don't need the two years of the people in America waste, I would say, getting a master's degree. That's all about credentialism and has very little to do with real education because, in fact, the ed schools tend to limit what the teacher thinks of and is willing to do and able to do. I think 50 or 100 years ago, people who went away to a special teacher's college actually got better, so it made a difference. What we want, uh, what you would want in a third world country, is that the guy who's going to teach geography has actually studied geography. We're studying geography here in America, so how are they going to teach geography? They have to know history to teach history. And it's not just a question of knowing history, it's a question of being excited about history. Oh, I love history. Now, if a teacher says that, boom, let them loose. I'm not saying they'll do perfect or anything, but at least you're going in the right direction. You know, people knowing their subject, that used to be the norm. That used to be required. You had to major in a subject in college, and then the trouble is they stop you in ed school. But if you majored in in college, let's say you major in American history or his world history, and then they make you a history teacher in school, well, okay, you're not going to do much better than that. I mean, down at the, you know, at the college level, you can make more demands. But if somebody knows something, otherwise, 
the teacher's in the position of reading, you know, trying to stay one page or two pages or one chapter ahead of the students. That's, that's not ideal. You don't need these huge overpriced textbooks that we have. You don't even need fancy schools and classrooms. You don't need psychiatrists and therapists. You don't need all these luxury goods. You just need somebody who knows a subject and is sincere about passing that information on to the next generation. Now here's another thing that is important. You need enough social co cohesion, and let's call it a common understanding or common agreement, so the school should be safe, orderly places. We've lost that in America. Now we let schools go to heck. I mean, probably there's many so-called less advanced countries, but the children are orderly and tidy and doing what they're told to a great degree. They haven't been corrupted by our bad practice. I think it's amazing how much children will learn if you give them a chance and present information to them. I've heard this said by um, principals on the um, classical academies and other situations similar to that, that children's minds are like sponges. Well, if you listen to people in public schools talk, oh my God, the, school, the kids might as well just be cans of tomato soup. They're not going to learn anything, but it's exactly the opposite. You treat the children as though they're going to learn. That's what you're here for, and you don't accept any deviation. You, you talk to them, and you beg them, and you bribe them, and you do whatever stick and carrot things you do to get the kids to behave. But basically, you have to have enough agreement that this is a serious thing. School is a serious thing, and then we're going to conduct it as, as efficiently as we can, and everybody's going to have as much fun as possible. This is going to help you in your personal life. It's going to ha help when you get a job and get a career and so on. So you sell the product. We, we don't do any selling. We don't tell the kids in the first, second, fifth grade, this is important. This is important. Now, the silly ways you're wasting time, they're fun. Go ahead and do them, but don't think they're important. Now, again, I say the leaders of the country, all the way down to the leaders of the school, if they value education, they will preach that value and support that education. They will tell the students such corny things as be conscientious, do your homework, pay attention, listen so you can learn. If you're educated, you can better help yourself and your country. You pitch education, you explain it to the kids. This is important and you should be striving to help the whole project instead of being an obstacle. But I think really if, if a school is serious, and I'm sure this is true around the world, but maybe not in America, they don't sacrifice a school for one troublemaker. They sacrifice the troublemaker. We used to have reform schools, so really bad seeds or bad apples. You took them away before they could pull everything else down. That's amazing to me. Joan Dunn in a 1951 book, she, she said, the troublemaker is the king of the school and knows it. 1950, 51, 52. Can you imagine that? The situation was already so deteriorated that the shrink types and the progressive, I mean, the so-called social engineers, the Deweyites, they were all f fussing over the, the troublemaker. Oh, what is it you're unhappy about today, you poor darling? What don't you have? Who has hurt your feelings? See, and that's 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 a straight line from there to the to the um, snowflakes. Snowflakes. We don't need more snowflakes. We need less snowflakes. You can't teach people to be tough if you're constantly treating them as though they're helpless and weak. 
Now, here's another point. I think whether it's uh, the middle of America or the, anywhere in the world, you try to make schools as fun and pleasant as possible because I think that's how children learn the most. I mean, I think there are probably some pretty puritanical types who think, oh, fun, that can't be proper. Yes, it is proper. I think uh, if there's some laughter, if there's some smiles on their faces when you see the kids walking through the halls or just or you chat with them, they seem relaxed. You know, that's, that's what they're going to move really fast. Because you, keep in mind, I mean, hell, if, if you look at Common Core, you would, you're going to forget the next point I'm going to make. What kids learn in elementary school is elementary. Only Common Core makes it sophisticated and complicated. Only new math makes math so nobody can understand it. But traditionally, what a elementary school meant was it's elementary. Any child can get it. That was always the assumption. And we ought to get back to it. Now here, let's keep our, our mind on our goals. What are we trying to accomplish? What we're trying to accomplish is that every child, whether they have a low potential or a high potential, you try to lift the child to his or her potential. Now you can't get into a, a second guessing. Nature pours out such a variety. Every kid has got things where they're high and they're low. And, and in a given classroom, you got a kid who might be a chess champion, another kid who will never learn to play checkers. And you can't worry about it. You just push each one as much as you can, given you're, you've got a great range in your classroom. Teach the stuff that the whole class can do, and then you know, go down a side road or a little side assignment or a little chat on the side or, hey, would you stay? I want to tell you, you know, tell you kids who might enjoy this or that. And you pitch it to them. Let them go find it. See, if all students will reach their potential, you know the country's going to go as fast as education can. You can't go beyond potential by definition. All the mumbo jumbo that John Dewey and his people taught was never about accelerating education. This is something that even liberals might be able to face by now. John Dewey was trying to create a new kind of human. That's what these 1984, these brave new world people, they're all, they're never, they don't like humanity the way it is. A lot of jerks, a lot of bums or whatever they think. So they want to start and create a new world of people created their way. That's what Aldous Huxley was satirizing in Brave New World. You're going to regulate the oxygen in the uh, embryonic stage and you turn out smart kids, very smart kids, not so smart kids, whatever it is. But you take control of it. You don't just accept what happened to come along. John Dewey and the progressives were social engineers. That was their big passion. Which brings us to the final subject here. I would strongly suggest that third world country or any other keep, the, keep ideology out of it. John Dewey has crippled our school system. Don't make that mistake. The people running the school should have an old-fashioned belief in knowledge for its own sake. Children learning new stuff is a beautiful thing. That's my theme song. Now today we in, our, in America we have critical race theory, a perfect example of what not to do. Hours and days will be consumed by what? At the end of the, what do you know that you didn't know before that you should know? Or that you couldn't pick up just talking to your uncles and aunts and people around the neighborhood or whatever? And why do you even need to bother? If you go to school, I remember it, what was interesting was that when you people are interviewed from, say, you know, 50 years ago, famous people, 
they'll talk about how they were poor when they were young, but they didn't know it. You hear that phrase, well, we didn't know it. There's three people in a bedroom and they, you know, they're getting their, buying big cans of food or whatever it is. They're eating the same, um, was it mac and cheese all the time, but they don't know that there's other neighborhoods where people do different. That's an advantage, really. Why do you, why do you want to rub everybody's nose and everything? Well, you want to do that if you're trying to impede the society and the schools. Critical race theory it really doesn't have anything to do with whether it's true or false. I mean, it's it's just uh, propaganda that's based on um, no. It's just a, somebody's theory, but it's basically just high class propaganda at best. But I don't want propaganda in my schools if I'm in control of them. I want the schools to be always upbeat and positive toward everybody. And uh, we have too much of that now, you know, and the schools and everybody in America, at least, has been bending over backwards to be nice to everybody. I mean, once you've said do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, hey, you've covered it. Okay, now we don't have to keep talking about it. it I really think um, Obama has a lot to pay for because the country was healing when he got in there. But he, he saw at some point that he needed to poll numbers, and so he started playing the race card, and he, he just kept playing it. So that's finally, uh, the summation is do the common sense, traditional, simple-minded, obvious thing before you go off looking for fancy stuff. Our schools now are just full of jargon. My God, that's basically what, in America, the education establishment is. It's a jargon factory. If you wrote down, or anybody wrote down, all the jargon, in other words, almost meaningless mumbo-jumbo, that has been used seriously in our schools in the last hundred years, you would fill up um, one page, two pages, three pages. It would be a lot. Because a lot of it's come and gone, and you never even noticed it. But they were hours spent, wasted, with professional development. That's called PD. PD, some professor comes in, makes a couple hundred bucks an hour to take a whole bunch of exhausted school teachers and pump them up with the latest jargon. Oh, from now on, we'll do this, that, and the other. And it's, I think it's, it's uh, malintentioned right from the start. Well, they're trying to give the professor some extra income so he'll be loyal to the uh, weird new ways of doing things. It's, it's very important to, to kind of be honest now and then. You let CRT or you let jargon in, you let dishonest, it's, it's, it's really insincerity that is the thing, you know, disingenuous, a fancy way of putting it. But when somebody comes and says, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to make you kids learn more, then you right away do something that is known by people who are honest, that is much a mumbo-jumbo that will dumb down uh, the flashiest students you got. There's a lot of dishonesty, and so getting that honesty, getting doing what is known to work, I think it, it's just it's just great. So that's how we save K-12, basically. This prescription here for third world countries, that's how we save K-12. Wherever K-12 is. Overview. Let's fix education. Explore seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that, we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. 
Most people instinctively want traditional education, but the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four, the big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, comma, the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five, Lennon's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of sub-educated students from K right through college. Seven, analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the Internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.